Hey, Bible students, my name is Keaton Pierce, and I'm your host here on The Curious Christian. Welcome back to another episode of The Curious Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Keaton Pierce. Today we're going to look at a question that was submitted to me that is based out of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, and we'll talk a little bit about the context of that, um, there's a verse in, in 13 and 14 that says, Now all that has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments. And then it goes on to say, for this is the duty of all mankind, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. And and that brings about the question to the modern Christian, what does it mean to fear God and keep his commandments? Now, I recognize that that is an Old Testament book. Uh, Ecclesiastes is an Old Testament book, more than likely written by Solomon, King Solomon, and we'll look at that here in a moment. Um, but there are, there are multiple positions in the New Testament that echo things very similarly. Of I mean, even when Jesus gives what we know is the great commandment of, of what, what is the most important thing he's asked. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so this idea of giving God the very best, of, of fearing God, loving God, but, but those are different. Fear God and keep his commandments. Those, those have always been central themes to the Christian. But in today's modern context, what does that mean? What did it mean when Solomon said it um, thousands of years ago? What, is it, what does it certainly mean now? Fearing God and keeping his commandments are repeated throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 2 talks about this in the Old Testament. Um, if we fast forward to the New Testament, we'll look at John chapter 14 and 15. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Fear is something that most of us in our modern current context, we try to avoid it. But fearing the Lord is really a good, um, it is a healthy, growing part of committing ourselves to God for Christians. The Hebrew word that is translated as fear in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, references a reverence, and, and not just any reverence, but a genuine reverence and respect for God. To fear God is to realize His greatness, His power, um, His justice, His his plan, his will. And that's really the part that we play in as a growing, maturing Christian through this maturation process that we go through is, is understanding that God's got a greater plan for me than I might not recognize in the moment. Think back to you know a time when you were, were were younger, when you were a teenager, right? Your parents probably imposed on you certain things that in the moment you didn't understand. You, you at, at at probably best you thought, why is this happening? You know they're being unreasonable, yada yada yada. And we have lots of of ways that we express that. But we got older and we recognized, by and large, not to say that our parents were perfect, but by and large, they were doing what they thought was best for us. Now, the difference here is that God does know. Um, God's got a perfect plan. Unlike our parents, um, despite what they would say, uh, th- they were trying their best, and most often, probably, they did, they'd made the right call, but, but they make mistakes like we do. God does not. But it's a similar idea of we can't always see that in the moment. But fearing God is this reverence to to know that whatever God does is final, and that finality is a good thing, that, that God's will is perfect. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away. God can't be swayed. Um, and that's probably a topic for another day. But God's purpose is that his people should fear him, uh, and, and not in the terror sense, right? Not that you might be afraid of of this or that. You're afraid of spiders. You're afraid of snakes, whatever. It's not that kind of fear. It's it's reverence. It's respect. It's awe. And all of those things, God is, is due. If we look in the beginning of Ecclesiastes 3, um, or in the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 3, he says, I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added or taken away. God's purpose is that people should fear him. And again, that word there, fear, just means 
respect. When we fear God, we acknowledge he is holy. We acknowledge that he is exalted. Exodus 3 talks about this. Isaiah 8 talks about this, that he is the one, the only one, worthy of our worship and our obedience. Those of us who fear God, we we want to obey him. We want to keep his commandments. And many people see God's commandments as a heavy burden, you know, negative rules that keep us from doing what we want to do, um, things that keep us from having fun. But believers that have maybe gained a little bit more um, time and experience in their faith recognize that that those of us that fear God and keep His commandments, that it's not a burden, that it's not that God wants to strip everything good out from our life. In fact, it's the opposite. God, all good and perfect things come from God, and as everything God puts out to us is very counterculture to what our current culture context would point us to, right? If you look outside in the culture that we live in today, um, you know, we are taught to be empowered individually. Um, And in and of itself, that's not wrong. But God wants us to get to this idea of complete reliance upon Him. And He says, I want to be the one. Not that, that, that nothing good is going to come your way, although we understand that as a Christian that there might be tough seasons. Christ says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So it's not that everything's going to be perfect, but God says, I want to give you good things, but I want to be the one to supply them, not that we feel like we uh, earn this ourselves. Um, We have to come to the understanding that God's commands are loving instructions from a good and caring creator, a good and caring father. God says, keep my commandments because he wants to bless us and he wants to keep us out of trouble and out of hurt. Jeremiah talks about this in Jeremiah 29. Uh, Psalm 16, 11 talks about this. James, even in the New Testament, mentions this. You know, through the Old Testament commandments, God laid out boundaries for his people, right? And, and boundaries have kind of always been a thing that's created tension within the minds of people. Because even dating back to the to the Old Testament, to the Israelites, and certainly in the New Testament, um, and and we see people that struggled with the idea of being constrained, or as they thought of it that way. But God placed commandments to include the promise of of life. Deuteronomy seventeen talks about this. Um, this was an exclusive promise, but he says, if you'll follow me in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 9, he says success and prosperity are going to come your way. Now, again, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. And it was contingent on them following God's plan for things. And that's a huge difference. Some people point to this old Levitical law, Deuteronomy and things, um, and try to advocate you know, what we might call modern day prosperity gospel, where people are saying, well, if you just, if you just follow God, then he's going to provide you with all these things and almost treat him like a genie. Um, that's never been God's position. He said, if you're faithful to me and recognize that some of what God describes as success and even as prosperity is not what we would think of it. It's it's spiritual prosperity. Um, although there were plenty of people, Solomon is a great example out of our source text in Ecclesiastes, that was wealthier than you know the the some of the top uh, wealthiest people in this world put together. I mean, Solomon was worth billions and billions of dollars by today's standards. You know, Job was that way. Um, David, of course, was a king, was, was very much that way. Um, so there's lots of examples of that, but that's not always what God is talking about. He talks about providing blessings in Deuteronomy 11. Um, you know, we, we continue to look and, and, and assert that the, the genuine fear of God, and that's demonstrated by keeping His commands, results in spiritual, in moral, and ethical health and wealth. Um, 
And again, that may not equate to our bank account as we might think of traditional wealth, but but God says when we follow after him that we will be blessed accordingly. Jesus said that when we keep his commands, we prove through our actions that we love him. John 14 and verse 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In John uh, 14 and verse 21, it says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Our obedience demonstrates our, our genuineness of our faith towards God. We obey him. Because we're fully convicted that God is watching and evaluating how we think, how we speak, how we live. Once we get to the close of the book of Ecclesiastes, which Ecclesiastes, as a side note, is just a fantastic book. And, and, and people pitch it different ways. But the way I always describe Ecclesiastes, it's written by Solomon, more than likely. And you know, Solomon was the son of King David. And Solomon was was given a supernatural gift of wisdom by God, and through that, that Solomon was blessed immensely. And you might think, well, if God granted him such a great gift, he probably had such a strong faith. And and Solomon's a really interesting case because he has some tremendous highs, but he also has some tremendous lows. And Ecclesiastes, we we pretty well think, was written towards the latter portion of his life because he gets in, and it's essentially a journal, a diary, if you want to think of it that way, where he's writing and saying, I've tried living life every other way. And by all accounts, he did. He had money, he had power, um, he had hundreds of, of wives and concubines, and um, he he used money on anything and everything that would provide him with pleasure. And he tried to, to, to find the meaning of life and find happiness by any means other than God, because there were times where he felt like God was too constricting on what he wanted to do. Got to the end of his life, and in his older age, he recognized that that essentially what he was trying to do was impossible, that through God was the only way that he was going to ultimately find happiness and fulfillment. And so he wrote Ecclesiastes essentially as a kind of think of it as a letter to his younger self of, you know, I've tried all the other ways, and this is what I've learned along the way. So we get to the close of this book, this journal, and Solomon begins to sum up a lot of the wisdom that he's learned through his life experiences. You know, nothing else matters more in this life than to fear God and keep his commandments because in the end, we will face God's judgment. Um, Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, And just as it appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Um, we don't know when it'll be. Uh, scripture says even Christ himself. That is the probably the only thing that, that Christ does not know when the Father is going to to, to do this. Um, but we know from Scripture it says it's going to come like a thief in the night, meaning that it's going to come quickly. We're never going to expect it, but it will be here. Death is not the end. It's in a sense, it's only the beginning. You know, Scripture describes our life as a vapor, and, and that there's going to be something beyond this that we're going to be judged, and then eternity. And, and we'll talk about end times in another episode. But but death's not the end. It's really only the beginning. The world and and all the things of it will pass away. But whoever does the will of God is going to live forever. This is First John chapter two. Um, you know, when the Messiah, when Christ returns, judgment's going to happen, living and the dead, and Matthew 25 talks about this, all who are made righteous through faith in Christ and baptism into his blood will be saved and, and spend eternity with God. Um, it's described as the sheep and the goats, right? The, the sheep are going to follow after the shepherd, which is the father. The father is the good shepherd, and the goats will, will, will spend eternity um, away from him. But the ungodly will go to eternal punishment. Matthew 25, 41 talks about this. If we fear God and we keep his commandments, we're tapped into the wisdom that will guide us along the right path. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. We will walk in obedience with him. 
Psalm 128 and verse 1. We fear God by worshiping Him and the utmost loyalty, respect, and honor. We obey His Word and we keep an eternal perspective. These three things define the ultimate purpose of our existence and our chief ambition of life. We're so thankful you joined us today. If you haven't already, make sure you like and subscribe to The Curious Christian on all your favorite podcasting sites so that you don't miss an episode. If you want to find out more information, more resources, head on over to CuriousChristian.net where we have all of our resources together, video content, podcasting content, and the like. We hope that you'll join us on our next episode. And in the meantime, stay curious.